welcome to So You Want to Be a Leader, really a Defy Expectations podcast. I'm Vicky Hampson. And I'm Helen Honeysett. We're here to explore the highs and lows of leadership today with our guests. And help you navigate the complexity of being a leader from every aspect, the sublime right through to the ridiculous and everything in between. This week's guest is Janine Matho, who is on a mission to support high-achieving women living and working on their teams without exchanging well-being for ambition. We'll learn more about Janine and her journey today. Janine, welcome. Hello there. It's great to be here. You can find out more information about Janine all in our website. Please do visit www.defyexpectations.co.uk for all of this wonderful information. So Janine, we've known each other for a while albeit not work together directly. Our paths have crossed many times. But most of all, I have such a deep respect for your journey, your life and the route it's taken you and how you've taken true ownership of it. But for our listeners, maybe you can share your journey and how you came to focus on your mission to support high achieving women living and working on their terms. Thank you, Vicky. So maybe the best way to answer your question is to share a few snippets, some memories and moments in time that were transformative for me as a woman and try to piece those together. I'm a first generation Cuban-American woman. And what that means is that my idea of what a woman is supposed to be was shaped by two cultures. So the Latina culture at home and on the weekends and the American culture at school, which I was surrounded by. And I spoke Spanish before English and learned English to go to school. And I grew up with the expectation that I would work and have a career and that I would also get married, raise a family, maintain a wonderful home, and furthermore, and to enjoy everything that goes along with that. Um, And I was raised as a high achiever in a competitive school environment. But the reality was that home was actually always a challenging place. And it paled in comparison to this idea of home that I was being raised to work towards. And then when I was in college, my father walked out and left me financially destitute. And I moved in with my boyfriend at the time. And despite my family really urging and trying to make me go home and care for my mom, I decided to stay in school, in university. And I got several jobs. I got uh, used to begging for financial aid and grants so that I could stay in school and graduate on time, uh, which I did, although it did mean working 50 hours a week. And so right from the beginning, I did have this lesson learned that I could defy expectations and that I had the power to shape my life. But that wasn't the lesson I actually took from that experience. So instead, I actually covered up that experience for more than 30 years and went on with my life. I think I was really ashamed of what had happened, even though it was out of my control, of how poor I'd been and how challenging that situation was. And And if I'm honest, I think that was the point at which I entered a really long period of surviving. So I then married. I had two children. I remarried. I gained a stepson. And boy, did I face family criticism when I decided I wanted to divorce and remarry. And I'll come back to that. I built my career in education, learning, and workforce development. I crossed sectors from academia to nonprofit, corporate, worked my way up into senior roles. And I was lucky enough to move from the US to the UK in 2018 and to experience living abroad. And I continue to do that now in France. And little parentheses, I've also had my share of criticism about my ambition and the choices that I made to leave the U.S. when my children were still in school and to continuing to dream big. 
But everything changed for me in 2020, and it had nothing to do with the pandemic. So I was 47 years old. I had been experiencing symptoms of burnout for a good six months, but I didn't really recognize them as such until about October of that year, October 2019. And then my mother died in a car crash in November 2019. So it was really traumatic for me, her death. And that Christmas, I huddled in with my kids and we had an incredible family holiday season in London. And then out of nowhere, it seemed to me, on January 6th, I collapsed. And it was like the universe just said to me, you're out, tag, you're it, you know, you're out. And what happened was that my mother's death had brought all of the trauma that I hadn't processed before forward. And I probably should mention, I also got critiqued for having that reaction. So I'm going to mention these little things and I'll come back to them as we talk. But I didn't know it when I first went out on leave, but my life, my corporate life and and all of the ways I'd lived to support it were completely over. And I have since then faced and overcome what I call my childhood demons. I've come out the other side. I'm a very, very different person in many ways, much stronger than before or even stronger than before. And with a set of mindsets and habits which propel me and I keep working on. It's been a heck of a journey. And I think the thing is, if I were alone in this journey, then perhaps there wouldn't be any work to do. But I'm not alone in this journey because in my experience, so many high achieving women have been raised with expectations which are hard to defy. They've faced experiences and criticisms that they bury due to shame or they continue to live in survival mode even when they're thriving. And many high achieving women that that I know, even if they've done it multiple times in their lives, they forget that they can defy expectations, right? Even their own. And they forget sometimes that they have the power to shape their lives and their careers. So instead, they might unknowingly build lives and careers that other people want for them, but perhaps not the ones they've truly chosen. And then by the time they realize you feel sort of trapped or behind, and it takes a lot of effort to disentangle our lives to get them where we want them to be. And so we carry these experiences inside of us, and they are root causes of depression and physical ailments and dissatisfaction on the job and burnout, right? And, and this quote-unquote imposter syndrome, which I don't believe in. But it, it doesn't have to be that way because I look now at those experiences as our stories and the same way that our stories can keep us a prisoner, they can also set us free. And we are actually each free to live and work on our terms and to shape our lives according to our own unique needs and preferences if we learn how, because we can learn how. There's so much there that's fascinating because I could see myself reflected in that massively. And when you were talking about it, one of the things I found as a high achiever or a recovering high achiever is how I valued myself was completely external. So I valued myself by the amount of money I earned or the amount of hours I worked. But it was all of these external numbers, which I thought other people gave a damn about. And that's where I found having that external focus led to me completely burning out as well in a similar time frame. So it's very interesting. And I'm 47 yeah. next time today. So hopefully I have. You're not going to be younger than I am. <laughs> but I do think it is really interesting these journeys we go through, this trauma that we bring in, and the shame that we attach to it. It's a, su- t- it's a subject that I could go down a rabbit hole on is shame because I think we've been burdened with it a lot, but also. It's a burden we give ourselves and learning how to free that. But before we dive into that rabbit hole, or if we get there, learning to lead and love yourself is a massive journey. You've spoken about some of the historical steps that you went through. But leading yourself and loving yourself, I think, is so intrinsically linked because you can't love yourself and not lead yourself. 
And you can't lead yourself without loving yourself as well, because otherwise what you do is just carry on beating each other up. What does that mean to you? Um, why is it so important when you're becoming a leader of others to actually lead yourself and love yourself first? Yeah. So first, I love that you are passionate about this topic um, because I think too few people talk about, well, they, they don't talk about love in the context of work, right? But they also don't talk about the need to love yourself and the impact of loving yourself on leadership. And I think, in fact, in coaching, you've probably had this experience, like it's the topic that makes people squirm. Somewhere in the early years of schooling in the world, we're normed to care more for other people than ourselves. So learning to, to love yourself, in my experience, is often something that comes later in life for people when, as you were saying, you feel like something's missing and that hole is no longer filled by anything external, right? So without love for ourselves, though, it's pretty hard to really love others. And people say that, but I think I really understand what that means now. So to me, learning to love yourself means embracing yourself as a work in progress, as an imperfect yet perfect being who's on a journey to learn about myself or yourself and others in the world and to have compassion for yourself as a human who's actually on that journey and to just love the progress that you can make each moment, each day that you're alive, really. And shifting and starting to see, at least for me, see myself in that way means I'm not static, right? So I'm in constant evolution and dynamic. And sure, that means I'm always changing, but also means anything is possible. And it changes how I see others because I can see them for what they are, which is the same as me, someone who is on their journey to learn about themselves and others in the world. And I can bring empathy and compassion and kindness toward them because I can empathize with also being on a journey, right? A fellow traveler, even if their journey is different than mine. And even if where they are in their journey is different than mine. And I think for many years, I tried to lead from that place, but I actually didn't yet have an appreciation for self-love and for, and actually for the entirety of my own journey, right? Because part of it is I had blocked my journey, but actually once you own their whole journey, you show up differently. It's easier for you to show up as a leader because you own your whole journey and you own where you're at on that journey. And I'm comfortable being vulnerable. And I don't mean like the toxic positivity that I see a number of leaders tout as vulnerability, but I'm really comfortable with who I am, warts and all. And I have the capacity now to sit pretty peacefully with that and to support others and to work hard to come from a place of love when I lead, which is very different than where I was before. Indeed. You know, Janine, as, as you've articulated the things that have taken place and when you talked about your journey, there's some very strong and articulate language you use and somewhat very evocative in some ways jarring. And in particular, when you talk about your physical reaction to the very tragic loss of your mother and this collapse it's beyond burnout. We can talk about burnout. We can talk about bore out, but this is something incredibly jarring. Now, you mentioned that people dared to critique you from, may we be bold enough to sort of ask you a little bit about that? Because it's quite incredulous to think that, A, who has the right to do that? And, and how do you react to that and respond to it? So maybe would you share a little bit about that with us? Sure. I think... You know, my mom passed away in November and it was a big shock. I now understand that sudden deaths can cause a range of reactions. 
but you're planning a funeral out of nowhere. And I traveled to the U.S. for the funeral. I kind of went through all those motions that you need to go through and grieving. And I think I took a week off from work and came back to work and I worked. And then it was holidays and we did the holidays. And it was an amazing holiday, actually. Like I said, we all kind of huddled together and it was more the merrier kind of situation. It was really fun. And and yet in January, just, just after the new year, I literally could not get out of bed for the very first time in my life. And I mean not get out of bed, not in a burnout way, not in an avoidance way. Like I could not care about getting up. And I think it was a very, very physical reaction. And I think the challenge is that in today's world, people normalize the passing of someone. We're so exposed to death all the time. I mean, look around the world right now. We're seeing it everywhere on the news and on your phone, threads, whatever you're looking at. And I think it's just we're, we're not attuned to the fact that death can impact people in different ways. And you don't know what someone else has going on in their journey from the past. And so in my case, I literally had people in my life say things to me like, this is not usual. This is very strange. Take a few more days off and you'll be fine. And me realizing that actually I was nowhere near fine. Like this is not a taking a few days off thing. And this is not needing a vacation thing. And it took a medical doctor to really actually, the first person I looked at besides a good friend who understood. My family was really supportive, but I think largely most of the colleagues I have, and they're really well-intentioned, but just not having the tools themselves to understand what someone else might be going through. That link between body and trauma is finally becoming in the spotlight now. There are things like the body gets scored by Bessel van der Klerk. I went to Absolutely. dinner with a whole load of sort of school mums last weekend, and they said to me, what do you do? And I explained a little bit, and they went it. Oh my God, what do you mean your body holds this? And I was just like, well, somatics and all that. Explain that word. And I was just like, okay, this is the interest and the desire to understand that connection is really growing. And it's really exciting because I think it gives people power. Our generation, we have had a lot of expectation on us. And I think we have given ourselves huge amounts of expectation. I know that was always my thing. I decided I was going to be X, Y, Z because I thought that would please everyone around me. And it's only now that I'm starting to learn how that has had an impact on everything and how all of those pieces of the jigsaw, the kaleidoscope fit together. So I think it's really exciting having fascinating conversations like this, but also to shine that spotlight that actually we need to understand that link between our body and our mind and our emotions and how that allows us then tangentially and directly to become better leaders of others and business as well. So thank you so much. It's fascinating to understand more and more. What's the hardest lesson you've had to learn on your journey? So I think the hardest lesson, I mean, there've been so many actually. I mean, in the beginning, it was just the lesson to say, okay, you need a break now. And that's the first time I ever took a break from working. I had my first job at 14. So I think in the beginning, I would have said the hardest lesson was actually just learning to pause and learning that like, this is the journey I'm on now. And if I don't, there is no going back to the old me because there was no, there was, it was no quick fix uh, moment. This wasn't like I need an extra cup of coffee or three days more sleep or, or some of the things we usually use, the tools we use to get through moments. So I think in the beginning, the hardest lesson was just saying, okay, this is it this is the journey now. I don't know where it's going, 
but here we go. And I think that was, that was the beginning. Since then, I think the hardest lessons come because I continue to up the ante on myself. So <laughs> as an entrepreneur, I want to achieve the way that I achieved in the traditional workforce, but doing that is taking different skills and different mindsets. And so every time I raise the bar, I need to learn. And I think the challenge this time around is avoiding burnout, right? So for a while, I was, for, for a while in this last four years, I was embracing healthy habits, but I was holding back my ambition because subconsciously I was scared that I could trigger burnout. And I've seen this in a client as well, and I'm working on this with my own coach, but holding back my ambition doesn't feel authentic. I'm not being honest with myself because I'm more ambitious today than I've ever been. And, and, and everyone who knows me has always thought, I was already ambitious enough. So I think my hardest lesson now, my biggest challenge is to choose a different path towards the ambition and to not allow myself to be dragged back into some of my unhealthy narratives. An example of that, which I think many women have, is that, oh, you need to work. I need to work all the time to be viewed as all in or to make the contribution I want to make. And when really working all of the time, which I have done in the past, is unhealthy, right? And being passionate about your work is great. So like taking that piece of it, the passion about the work is great, but loving yourself enough to pause, to care for yourself, to spend time with your loved ones, in the end, you're going to make a stronger contribution because you're stronger. And I think for me, I do feel like I am embracing this stance that is, if I'm going to keep raising the bar, I need to learn, which means I am learning all the time, every day, growing and changing. And there's, there's no more goal to get there because I don't know where there is anymore, right? I've got goals, but I'm in it. I'm kind of in my mission for the long term. And I, I wrote something in my newsletter this week about building your opus. And for me, it's about building your life's work, which means there's no end to it and progress is ongoing. And shifting to that mindset um, has really helped me to reframe everything. And that getting to that mindset's been a journey, but getting there has been amazing. Yeah, indeed. I, I knew this was going to be really thought provoking. And there's been so many points that stood out and, and we've referred to them. They've been in the moment. We've discussed them. But I think I just go back to the honesty of the openness of your journey. And I think that in itself is a great piece of wisdom to pay forward, to be able to stop and think about it and capture that journey. So we really want to thank you again for being so open and sharing that. And there was so much raw honesty in you doing that. So I just really want to make that personal thank you on behalf of both of us. We know as well, there's so much more to you as well. Like I'm, I'm going to spill the beans and know that I know a little secret about you, that you are so multi-talented and you are a DJ as well. Good Lord. You've got so many hidden skills. So we salute you for that. We love the fact that you rock out as well as get really serious about these subjects. And I love there's another person talking about love because the group of people who always squirm a little bit more than they should, HRDs, start talking about love in the workplace. Ooh, gets a bit touchy. Brilliant. Wonderful. If you've been as inspired as we have with our amazing guest, Janine, please check back in as we're going to be running these regularly and we cover every aspect of skills that leaders need to continuously develop, evolve and thrive. Do look at our website, defyexpectations.co.uk and remember to follow us to get notified of our next episode. Mm -hmm.